loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Elizabeth Hack, actually welcoming back Elizabeth Hack. Elizabeth's the founder and editor of San Francisco Peace and Hope, a literary arts publication. SFPH began the day after the 9-11 tragedy since she had family ties in New York. Her grieving transmuted into a mission of peace as poets and artists came on board. Her family ties continue with the Ukraine tragedy, her grandparents having come from that region. They escaped the Tsar and Holocaust relocating to New York. The Lost and Hope is calling out for Ukraine as she's collecting poetry for SFPH. Ms. Hack is also a mixed media painter. With her process, she confronts the light and dark, ultimately taking a meditative stance. Her work includes exhibits with the U.S. State Department Art Embassies Program, where she recently gave an artist talk. She received the Golden Seal Award from the Dancing Poetry Festival and the Book of the Week from the California State Library. The La Mirinda Arts Council presented a virtual show with a video featuring the book, San Francisco, Peace and Hope, Light the Sky. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Well, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. This is wonderful. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to have you. And as I was saying before we came on, I really do enjoy... Uh, you know, much later re-interviewing someone because then, you know, life has unfolded and the original thing we talked about has, has deepened, transmuted into another place. So I'm really, really glad to hear what, what has become of your project, which has continued for quite a long time now, huh? Yeah, oh, yes, definitely. Since 9-11, the day, September 12th, 2001, 2011, 2001, rather, sorry. Right. So uh, just because most people will not have heard our previous interview, let's, let's uh, share a bit about that original impulse, because that was a very quick impulse. You know, often for me, for instance, it was years before I, I un. un unfurled this project, this radio show, years and years. Um, but you were clear what you wanted to do in response to that event the very day after. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So um, it started as a blog and, uh, and it happened on September 12th, the day after 9-11. And uh, just a few poets and artists came on board at that point, more like friends. And it was just, you know, it was, I always want to say spur of the moment, but I had a lot of heart in it because it was very uh, difficult um, because I have uh, relatives in New York City. And so uh, I did that and I added very slowly to it, you know, as I grieved and, and, the, and the process of, um, just absorbing what, what happened uh, mm. with, with 9-11, the tragedy. And then uh, mm -hmm. 
with uh, so much of my family living or have roots in, 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 in New York City, including my grandparents. My parents lived in New York City. And, you know, it's just, it was very, um, very, uh, you know, that's what really started this for me uh, with the, uh, it just because of that. And, and so uh, that's how it began as a blog. What, what uh, is very, very, very common, not universal, but, you know, most of the guests I interview um, just had a strong impulse to do a certain thing in response to their losses, right? Not, it wasn't a mental decision so much as a need, if that makes sense. Yes. And then, of course, over time, uh, people do the work to kind of um, grow that original impulse. But that sounds as if that's something like what you experienced. You, you needed to do something and you just started. That's correct. Yes, definitely. One thing that's interesting in your, in your latest release, which has just come out as far as I understand, um, is that um, the poetry, I would say, is a beautiful expression of life as opposed to directly, it's not all directly related to, you know, Ukraine or, um, difficult challenge or, you know, all the things we could be writing about right now. And I, I experienced that as, as I was reading this collection as kind of a revolutionary vote for beauty, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes, it uh, makes a lot of sense to me. That's for sure. And the poets and artists in the book. So that does connect in some way with what you're doing, that peace and light is about a contrary view to all of the obvious crushing challenges and, and difficulties. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it's kind of, it gets um, transformed. You know, I noticed it was in stages, the transformation, it was, there was a personal change in myself. I have to admit, it was all personal with some, you know, of course, you know, like everybody, you know, when you, when the towers collapse, I mean, there's that, but when I was, but so much of it was so personal. And then as right. I moved forward, there were some unexpected things that happened. Like it became more, it was personal, but also it started to expand, like became more, more, um, more global and more, um, about the world and then with the poetry and art and then many poets and artists followed after that, which was also unexpected mm. for me. Of course, this week where you and I are speaking, a lot of things have happened, um, included, including row falling, including decisions at the Supreme Court level, including politics. And one way I've thought about it and I wonder if this resonates for you, is that there's a very severe dearth of empathy. And to me, art is always trying to evoke empathy, uh, or at least frequently. 
is that a way that resonates for you to to sort of i'm always trying to make sense of things <laughs> does that resonate with you in terms of what one of the things that's fulfilled by poetry and and visual arts absolutely yes i think uh you know there's the empathy towards uh what's happened and the people and you know there's there's you know for sure yes yes definitely so those of us that have i i like what you're saying that um there if you if you dive into your own depths of grief and your own heartbreak i think it does tend to cultivate a broader empathy with other people who suffer at least i hope so yes yes that's you have it right and that's you know not that i ever had empathy for a lot of, you know but i did have it but it's it was so personal you know and so it kind of developed myself in, in a in a you know over over time actually to and it really turned into a mission of peace and hope for me mm, that and, that makes so much course, sense to me yes yes and of course i'm also aware that um the kind of legacy to me there would there's being a new yorker but there's also uh your family having emigrated here as a result of very crushing events and i imagine that gets sort of reactivated in a certain way um you know in the face of of other crushing events i don't know if that was conscious for you or your family but it's kind of yes. a way i think about it yes no i i i uh you're kind of um, putting in words how I, you know, kind of part of the process for me and uh, what happened. Yes. And so I, that that gives it really um, poignant meaning going forward as well. I it imagine. really does, and and it just, uh, you know, to go through these. Um, uh, I don't want to call it steps that trivializes it, but stages in life like this. It was such a, um, and then receiving the poems and artwork. And of course I was looking for more poems and artwork that, that is, that are um, not it's optimistic, but have some depth, but also have um, some, um, meaning and beauty uh, to it. And uh, there's so much talent, you know, with that. So there were a lot of poems and, and people who, 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 you know, what they sent in and, and just finding the, finding that uh, balance, uh, you know, with the, um, mm. with, with that was really, uh, you know, part of that. And I don't think I was as aware of it, aware of that at the beginning. It was just sort of what I was gravitating towards at the time. Sure. Which developed. Now I understand it more. So <laughs> there's <laughs> a fast. saying you can only understand the 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 past later on or something like that. Very you know? <laughs> good. That's exactly how it is. You know, I've been giving this a lot of thought actually. Uh, you know, the stages that I went through with this, uh, and then the poems and the artwork. And it really was right from the start on September 12th. Um, it started right away where I started to read the poems. I said, oh, this is very um, 
this is helping me. It was about me more, you know, those few. Yes, yes, yes. And then, then as it grew and many, uh, honestly, it was just, it was quite a ride for me, but we can talk about that later, but yes, it's in keeping with what you're saying. Excellent. Yes. Well, maybe it would be a moment to let people hear one of the poems. Can you read as time encircles and recycles itself? Sure. Yes. Since we're talking about, you That's know, passage right. of time. And <laughs> yes, I'd love to read this. Uh, so um, this is by the late Al Young. Um, he actually wrote a foreword for San Francisco, Peace and Hope, a beautiful foreword. But this is a poem called As Time Encircles and Recycles Itself. As time encircles and recycles itself, mirror likenesses thicken and fog up. If you have trouble finding yourself, start looking elsewhere. The sky, not only is it not the limit, it opens and dares you to look up who you are. Mountains and mountains and mountains, they're you. Great lakes you take to be out there someplace look like you, splash and churn and shine like you. The world beyond washed fleshes you, light dries your eyes, one blink can melt, illusion dissolve the frame says i look at you and see no evidence of me i had a teacher who used to say he used to talk about the the you know we have a physical body we have an emotional body we have an intellectual body and we have a spiritual body um that's a long story in and of itself but uh, then he would talk about the injuries of the body. And he said, the only spiritual injury is the illusion of separation. And this, this poem really makes me think about that, that if we are immersed in the natural world, in presence, those separations tend to dissolve. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, you know, Poems, how we how we read poems is so individual, but that's what struck me about that poem. How did you think about it? Well, I think um, with this poem, um, it's abstract, but a lot of poems are very dense. But at the same time, it's very specific. You know, it, it, you know, and I think that um, it uh, it it does. Uh, go to a place of, you know, dares you to look up who you are, you know, very spiritual, uh, very mm -hmm. uh, metaphysical in a way, yet it makes sense. You know, we could be driving and look at the clouds or we can, I, I don't want to be driving, but just, you know, we can be in right. our backyard, look at the clouds and, and it puts us in a different place. So it is, it is a spiritual connection. And then, then also um, it's, it's also race, you know, it's also very much about we're all, we're all connected in some ways, no matter mm -hmm. who you are, all different people, we're all connected. All under the same sky. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've been actually thinking about that a lot with, uh, with Ukraine, you know, the way in which if you don't have a personal connection like you do, um, you have to imagine your way into being there, into yes. being a human being 
in that circumstance, uh, we don't have to imagine our way into 9-11, for instance. Every American had an experience of that, right? One way or another. That's right. But, But the further away geographically, the more we have to actually uh, do a little work to connect as humans and to see ourselves as under the same sky. That's right. It's a really, it's a big vision. Uh, yet it's also very personal too. It yeah, because at, for, for me, I can imagine that that could be me. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. I don't have sense. trouble. My capacity for imagining various circumstances is uh, sometimes unpreferable, but usually preferable. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, you know, and it, it sounds is. like you too. That you. Oh can, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once you, you know, have a maybe a low quotient of denial or something um, for whatever reason, then you can imagine being those people. That's right. It's really, that's what I, that's what poetry, you know, it's like a painting. You look at it one day and it looks different the next, but in Mm. essence, I think it's very personal. Uh, And also it's, it's also very spiritual, metaphysical and uh, takes you out they are like to the big sky and the light. And So every time I talk with an editor, I'm curious. I, I know that to edit something, you receive many, 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 many things usually. And you make choices, uh, which ones to pick, what to put together, in what shape. And I'm curious how you went about that with this project? Excellent question. I was actually hoping you'd ask that question. Um, So with the book or the publications, whether it's online or or the books, this started, um, you know, started with the blog and then then it got very serious, uh, you know, with, 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 with the publication. And with that, I divided the poems and artwork into chapters, which is a little unusual, but each chapter has a theme. And with the theme, if, if you put it all together, there's a loose story. You know, if you read it very carefully, there's a loose story that mm. it tells from chapter one to chapter seven or eight or so. Mm-hmm. So yes. um, the loose story. And yet the chapter, and also the chapters are theme-based. And again, I, the way I edit, and again, it's a little bit, I, I want to say unconventional, but I don't know. I'm sure people have done that. If you look at one poem and the next, one is related to the other and the other and the other telling a story, uh, 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 even in each chapter. And so there, there's a quote at the beginning of the chapter that kind of reveals what it's about. And so that's, that's part of how I work. I get the impression that there's, there's a, uh, a level of, of, what do I want to say? A sort of visceral level where it has to feel right. It has to go with the story you have in your mind. Um, it has to sort of hang together for you. 
as opposed to a, a linear process. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. Yes, it's more of a, um, yes, yes. Uh, I, I like that way of doing things. So I read that into it, but apparently <laughs> I, I was right I get, about it. <laughs> Let's get, take a I break. Get so, I get so intense about it that one poet almost pulled his poem, you know, from the whole, you know, from, from actually the last publication. And it was, to me, it was, it was like, I don't want to say devastating, but it was like, oh no, you know, I got to talk to him. And, you know, that one well, poem was important to the book, right, to the whole. Right. Let's come back and, and follow up on that because that's fascinating, <laughs> you know, to get someone uh, in your head as part of the vision and then they're thinking maybe they won't do it. <laughs> I think that's very fascinating. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. You know what to do. And to find Elizabeth Hack and her publication, go to sfpeaceandhope.com. Be back soon. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to good grief. Abre mi corazón. 
Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Elizabeth Hack about her organization, SF Peace and Hope, and what continues to inspire her to share poetry and art. And Elizabeth, welcome back to you too. And um, before the break, we were talking about a poet who you had this just strong um, connection to the way his poem fit the story you were telling, and then he was considering pulling the poem, not sharing it in, in the um, compilation. I, I found that really interesting. You know, the things that happen that are, that are difficult in the process of doing something like this, yes? It made me um, very aware of that, yes. Yeah, and how did that, how did you respond? How did you, because it's, it's, uh, you know, interesting to me, you're doing this thing about peace and light and hope. And, and meanwhile, you're, we're, you're interacting with human beings and that's, you know, got a problematic aspect and there are challenges. How did you navigate that? Well, basically, um, I kind of had to, um, not kind of, what I did was, uh, Send, send a very gentle email to him, you know, no, um, you know, just trying to, it, it, there was a reason for it. And I don't think I should go into it. It wasn't that he didn't like it, um, but it was just something um, that he, uh, you know, he was having trouble with his biography and this and that. It was more along that line, but mm-hmm. I needed to just talk gently, you know, in an email to him and communicate with him and, and that's how it happened. And, and that's what I think, you know, just, you don't want to, I don't want to overreact to it yet. You know, I was feeling some pain from it, but just, just calm it, calm the situation down and just, you know, just, uh, it was, a uh, you know, it, it did work. It, it was an all day cookie in some ways uh, going back and forth mm. and it did mm-hmm. work. It was successful and it was uh, a very, I mean, they're all, the poems were all very inspiring, um, I feel. It, you know, the poets, poets are so, um, oh, there's so much talent out there. And I would also, uh, you know, so I'd love to, t- you know, talk about that. And also, but that's, that's what happened. It was like an all day going back and forth. And it's a, it's a very good thing to, to live through and realize, yes, there are people, it's part of, part of this, part of the job here, you know, and, and just not get, you know, uh, just kind of go with it more. Well, I don't know if this resonates for you, but I think a lot about how not just to have uh, a frame of reference or a value system or whatever, but how to live it out when things are difficult. Um, Does it, you know, are we kind to each other if we're in an organization together? Are we peaceful in our approach? All those things. If peace and light is your mission, it sounds as if you let you you live that out with him. Well, I think there's a lot of truth, and that's where I've changed some. You know, I'm just realizing what you said more and more and more, um, and just. And, and kind of there are different types of people and different ways to talk. Um, 
and you know to people and i think that it's really important to you know as you know leading leading this whole project you know it's been that's been a learned experience and and also being in a horrible situation a horrible horrific situation uh, this is kind of, um, you know, Victor Frankel, who was in a concentration camp. Yes. And I have some, you know, I actually have um, a couple of, uh, you know, like, what is the purpose of art and what he came to the conclusion. And poetry has something to do with it. He was a psychiatrist. And uh, do you want me to tell you that now or? Um... Sure. And then maybe we'll share a little more poetry after that. Okay, excellent. So, um so, you know, why do we have poetry and art, you know, is this, and, and the arts, you know, what, is, you know, in terms of there's so much violence going on, so much tragedy and everything else. So what, what do the arts do? And so Emerson said, peace cannot be achieved through violence. It can only be attained through understanding. Now, Victor mm-hmm. Frankel, um, he was a psychiatrist and he wrote a memoir and he, he, about his experience in the Nazi death camps. when he was held as a prisoner. And he offered some lessons of spiritual survival. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than, I shouldn't say that, but being in a concentration camp. It's pretty bad. We can all agree. Yes. And so living through that was pretty bad. And so he, he actually was committed to spiritual survival and um, every, so I have a quote, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set, set of circumstances, to choose one's way. Now, also, he depicted through this book in his memoirs, his horrific suffering, but ultimately saw the truth set into song by poets and so many thinkers. That is to attain love, the highest goal. And so I just want, I wanted to share that with you. And um, and of course, I know, of course, I know his work and um, modern psychological thinking would be completely different if a bunch of uh, psychological thinkers uh, who, who did live through the Holocaust um, hadn't evolved in that particular way. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's, quite a few, him very notably because of his attention to meaning. Um, How do you derive meaning in in horror? Um, So I really, I really resonate with that, um, that there's some way that I remember when the election happened in 2016, I was driving with my wife and I said, I wonder what, I wonder who's going to be the first person to write a song. And I went to a concert the next night, one of my favorite singers, Melanie Damore, and she had already written a song. Oh, I know who she is. Yes. Uh, and, and I was like, yep, you know, you, you have to express, you have to uh, share solace with each other in that way to go forward sometimes. Let's have you share the inner sun. Oh, um, right. Yes, I have it right here. And it's a, it's, a, it's a poem by James Berkowitz. He's a contributor of San Francisco, Peace and Hope. And um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll read it right now. So it's the inner sun rises from the deep within the soul, bringing all that comes with the dawn. 
It shines brightly through the eyes while glowing around the body during its peak. At sunset, it evokes a light beam of energy that pierces through the dusk at exponential power and shimmers with ultimate passion amidst the stars. James Berkowitz mm. is the, who wrote it's that. Beautiful. What it makes me think of, in a way, uh, is, you know, there, there are uh, a lot of books and papers and online things about how to cope with trauma. And most of them involve uh, connecting with physical reality. Uh, and that poem makes me feel that way. You know, uh, there's, it's very physical, what you see, what you feel, what the, the light around you. It's to me quite physical. I can understand that. Yes, it really is a beautiful poem. And it's very, very visual to me. Very well. visual. Yeah. But that I did the, where it says, um, a, a, a light beam of energy that pierces through the dusk, you know, and surrounds you. And uh, it's very, uh, very evocative. Um, so that's why we need poetry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the closest we get to evoking an experience, right? Yeah. Prose doesn't do the same thing, I don't think. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, it takes you to another realm, yet it's personal and it's right. It does so much. Does so much. Maybe you'd like to share uh, his the other poem, uh, Tears for Peace, while we're at it. I will do that. Um, let me just uh, get it here. And Tears for Peace. And this is also by James Berkowitz. Uh, Tears for Peace run down the face of humanity, crying wounds, wounds of hate, seek impossible escape. When the light of the soul quenches the darkness of barbaric ways, tears for peace run down the face of humanity. Oh, sweet world, gift of life and mind, remove evil teachings from the eyes of humankind. Lift us from the dusk of the earth, return us from the heavenly skies, embrace the call to oneness in the sharing of eternal life. Tears for peace run down the face of humanity down the face of humanity, run tears of peace, tears for peace, tears for peace, tears for peace, peace or tears. And again, James Berkowitz wrote that. That, that that's even more directly about <laughs> physical experience, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, and the repetition uh, helps too. How do, you, how do poets and artists, you said it started with people you knew, right? That's, but, that's right? But I do get the impression it's gone way beyond that at this point. Oh, um, yes. How, how do people generally find you and submit to you? Uh, what's the nuts and bolts a little bit? Oh, we right. have a couple of minutes before the next break. Yes. Well, basically, uh, it's a submissions process, but... Now there's a group of SF Peace and Hope, po I don't want to say poets because I welcome new people, but it's basically a submissions and announcements. Right now there's a, 
Ukraine, the tragedy in Ukraine. And uh, I've gotten some marvelous poems from, from that. And so, um, and so, uh, and so again, still submissions, uh, but because, you know, it's part of the selection process of making it a tribute. And so um, that's basically what it is. And uh, at the beginning, it was new to me, but it's just, it is a process of getting the poets and artists. And so- and so what I what I think I hear there is you kind of have an uh, an ongoing submission process, and then over time, um, it becomes a book. You know, it becomes uh, it takes shape. That's right. And oftentimes, I think with two online publications, it's turned into books. You know, it's and it's great, and the internet. Is a I, I'm all in favor of the like a lot of people of the internet, particularly with with a with an online publication and Ukraine. I mean, this will go all over, you know, and it's mm-hmm. uh, and of course books and books and you know it just I treasure that too. But it is a different process, the online and print. These last you know two plus years. Uh, I've seen such a huge difference in the way um, people share their books. Be- and I'm thinking of that because of the internet, you know, every author for at least some period of time had to go entirely virtual. And that, and that was hard because it's a totally different experience than being in the room. I know. Cause I've, you know, conducted workshops online. It's different oh, yes. than with, with human beings. However, there's an advantage because there are people from all over the place that can That's be right. there. That's right. Yeah. So virtual like, talk and it was amazed me. Yes. People challenges go. Too. You never know where they're going to go. Do you? I know. I know. There <laughs> is no. Yeah. Let's take another break and we'll come back for our last segment in in just a few. Uh, Listeners, listeners, you can go to weatheringgrief.com to find me or the Good Grief host page. And to find Elizabeth Hack and her publication, go to sfpeaceandhope.com. Back after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Elizabeth Hack, editor of the literary journal Light the Sky. And during the break, Elizabeth, we started chatting a bit about the evolution. You know, this started in 2001. And so that's, that's what? <laughs> 21 years? Right. Yeah. So uh, that's a long. That's a that's a couple of decades more, and uh, you were you were saying that it's evolved into a community. Uh, it's not just about receiving these poems and you know getting them compiled and putting them on the website. It's also about connection. Uh, could you talk some more about that? Sure. Yes, it is about connection on so many different levels, Uh, connecting with the poems, connecting with the people, the community, and then the uh, poems are in a publication, so out to the world more, and uh, because poets are from all over the place, actually, and there are a few that are international, and um, but mostly local. So, and, and, the, and also the amount of talent in the Bay Area, it's, it's San Francisco Bay Area based. It, and because we can have readings before the pandemic, it really, um, it, it is a community. And, uh, and, uh, and it's changed some since the pandemic, but at the same time, it's, it's happening in the Ukraine. Um, uh, you know, with the poems coming in, that's going to be the next, um, uh, you know, that's the, that's the current, the current poems. And, uh, and also, you know, it's, it's also, I think a lot about um, 
how the arts are a universal language, no matter what it is, uh, whether mm. it's painting, uh, poems. I mean, there are translations, of course, Rumi and a lot of haiku and all the masters. But it's, it's through music. I recently saw a Zoom event through, about to support the people of Ukraine. And uh, the local musicians participated. And um, it makes me aware of there's so many creative ways to do what we can. And I think that the arts, it, it, it's touching the mind, but more importantly, the heart. And I think that that's, that's what the arts do, whatever form it is at its best, obviously, but that's how yeah. I see it. Uh, there's, there's a way I think about it I want to run by you as a, as a creative artist, which is that I consider grief itself to be a creative process um, because you don't know where you're going. You don't know exactly how it's going to come out. You know, you have to create this new world you're, you now belong to after, after loss. And so I think that matches well with uh, poetry, music, art, the, the creative pursuits, if you will, because they don't require being like anything else. It's I just agree. an expression of, you know, it's an expression of you in the moment in a way. Uh, yes. Excellent. Yes. I agree. Yes. And I think I'm glad that, you yeah, do since I you do. think about these things more than I do. Well, it's just what I do. And I, you know, I think, I mean, in terms of the, you know, particularly the, the arts and the creativity with the arts and, um, and, uh, and also what is the purpose right now? You know, you see so much that is so on the news cycle and the, you know, we, we see it on TV, the media and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, poetry can be a fringe in some ways, it, you know, but it's not, you know, it, it, you know, it's just so important, in my opinion, and, and the arts. And I, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, people, a lot of people agree with that, but it just, uh, you know, so it, it has become more of a, um, you know, mission doing San Francisco Peace and Hope. And, we, mm. we, you know, it, it's like a, a little bit daunting to be in charge of this, you know, because peace and hope. I mean, what do you tell people? Well, that's what I, it's a big subject. I really (laughs) value about this interview. I'm allowed to say it. And you're asking me these questions, but it is, it's like a lot to, a lot to, um, you know, my thoughts and how I feel and the passion I have for this. Um, You know, and then, you know, some of the things that I said, that's, how I see it. And then I've had personal experience with my grandparents, you know, escaping the czar and the Holocaust and moving to New York. And then New York was, was, uh, you know, they came to New York, started their family. I mean, there's a lot of, if you add it all up, the links and the connection, um, uh, I wouldn't be here if they hadn't come, if all of this hadn't happened and there'd be no San Francisco peace and hope. And it's amazing that New York just keeps coming into the picture, you know, if I look at it in a very personal mm. way. But they were, I mean, I was really thinking escaping the czar and Holocaust at a very young age. Yes. Coming to yes. New York City, setting up a new life. And my parents lived in New York or from New York. And all these relatives. 
I I imagine you know, but maybe not that they have they have uh, the scientists that big category of people um, have studied um, generations beyond the traumatized generation. Um, there's actually an imprint on the DNA uh, up to six generations from the original uh, trauma. Oh my. So in fact, subsequent generations have that within them, if that makes sense. It does make sense. That's fascinating. Um, and it, and it's, it's unrelated to environment. Even people who, um, you know, are not raised around their DNA uh, markers still have that effect. I think that's, I, I'm not very scientific, but there's certain aspects of science that just connect so much for me. Uh, maybe for you as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an amazing fact. It is an amazing yeah. fact. And maybe it would be a good time to share the final poem we have today for all we know, since it refers to science a bit. That's right. And, and that's a poem by Al Young, again, late Al Young. And uh, I'll read it. And this is actually an epilogue in, 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 in San Francisco piece in Hope Light the Sky. Just this poem. Every now and again, then yet again, science floats up out of her silence. Parallel universes, she whispers, or string theory, uncertainty theory, or Newton's laws of motion. Some poets, painters, and dancers, and drummers look up from what they've been doing to tune in. Let me think about it. They sometimes think, but knowing, don't say a thing. To know or not to know, this is a kiss the lick to cherish and woodshed for the moment light shines on all we know. I love that, that there's science and also a little bit of a, of a metaphysical feeling to that poem all at once. Um, because they get divided so often, don't they? Oh, they do. Um, so wow. this particular poem, or, or poet, I should say, didn't, didn't do that. Didn't view them as separate, but as parts of a whole thing. That's right. That's a, that's a good insight. I like that. I mean, very, yes, you're right. And, oh, yes. you know, I wonder, you say that he is not, living any longer i wonder if some of that i don't know what his circumstance was but did his circumstance affect what he wrote about because there's a a quality to it that that moves me um so al young he was a former california poet laureate and uh and he he actually um you know so he wrote a lot of poems um over the years that was his life, really. And, uh, and he wrote a foreword, like I said, for the, for, for the publication. And uh, yeah, I, I think that this was an older poem. Mm. And uh, again, when I was working on the book, it's like 
I found that poem and I, I, you know, of course I asked him whether I could publish it. And then I thought, oh, it would fit as a, um, at the very end. It's at the very end of Light the Sky, the last poem. And it comes with a beautiful- So that was, just, that was just something he, he had by some means uh, that it seems to me, because the first poem you read was by him as well, I believe. Um, they have a similar ethereal quality to me. Yeah. So it sounds like that that was an aspect of who he was that that's, came out in his poetry. Yes. That's right. That's 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 right. And I just and it's paired with this beautiful painting by Win, Winnie Thompson, you know, where it's very ethereal painting that kind of, you know, I kind of match the the, the the paintings and the poems are are matched up. I'm glad you bring that up because um, in these last few minutes, we do need to say that there's some absolutely beautiful art in the, um, in the book. I also want to say that I really appreciate the thick paper. I, I, I worked in a, um, in a print shop early oh. in my life. Um, one of the things we used to public was publish was a um, ongoing literary journal called Zizva. And um, it had that similar substantial feeling to it, if you will, you know, um, because of the expensive paper, uh, often books are on pretty thin paper these days. And there's something I love about, especially if there's art, um, encountering a book that's substantial. I, I like that feeling too. Yes. And I think that was, uh, uh, you know, that was all part of, that's been all part of this is kind of, um, you know, everything counts in life. I feel like, uh, you know, that's how I like to see it. A poem, a line, a haiku, and a book too, and the pages in a book. I mean, that's my idealistic way of looking at things, but I really try and try and aim for that. I mean, it's, it doesn't work sometimes, but yes, the book is a certain, certain quality, I agree. I have a granddaughter who's three and she is in love with books. Um, in a way, her brothers, she has two older brothers, weren't to the same degree. And uh, it's such a delight to watch her read an, uh, a physical book, right? Because so much is online now. I know. But, you know, her picking up the book and choosing the book and taking it in her little tent and opening it. And it's a delight <laughs> to watch. Oh, and I, I'm, she's cool. coming to my mind here as we're talking because oh, that you know, is very special at that, that age. <laughs> right? It's it's that feeling of <laughs> of being one with a book that that's really beautiful. I, Elizabeth, I, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I've enjoyed our conversation. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Cheryl. I can't thank you enough. And hopefully people will go to sfpeaceandhope.com to look at the the, the poetry and the art and, and just uh, learn more. Next week, I'll have Adam Hall to talk about his book, Divine Genius.
This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those